Hello, welcome to Nashville CA, your double feature, double weekly podcast hosted by one guy in California and the other guy in Nashville. I am the California half of the show. My name is Sean, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Josh. How are you doing today? Pretty good today, Sean. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm excited. We had our first rainy day yesterday, and we were supposed to get more today, but this being California, it didn't happen. But I'm still excited. Fall's in the air, and um, I made my Hooptober list for the first time. I'm I'm very excited about fall. How, How about you? Uh, I also, I made my Hooptober list. I've never completed Hooptober because I give up on, um, uh, writing reviews for the movies at a certain point, but it frustrates me sometimes when you review a movie or you rate a movie without reviewing it. (laughs) I I try to do it for all new movies. At least I I have been. So is that better? Well, it's better. Okay. And uh, our other guest today is a returning... Oh, fuck. I'm going to do that again. And today we have a returning geese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And today our guest returning... Oh, no. Today we welcome back to the show Patrick. Oh, I can't do this anymore. Hi, Patrick. Hi. Good to be back. The wheels, the wheels are falling off the bus. Patrick, we talked about Wayne's World and... One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we do pairings that, that that makes sense now. But again, in retrospect, I would not think to pair those movies together. I but, don't know. I don't um, know. I saw you. It was your choice. So, so, Patrick, you're a baseball fan. We talk baseball a lot. Mm-hmm. You're kind of a Padres fan. They're your number two team, so we can be friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to live in San Diego, uh, so. And we're going to talk baseball today. So we're going to talk about the Sandlot, going from like childhood fun baseball up into Major League, the cynical pros. But first, I have a game to play with you gentlemen today. Wow. It's a... Is it baseball? No, it's a movie title game based on uh, a Carl Pilkington game, which is based on another game so we're gonna call this blockbusters which is in honor of rockbusters which was the game carl pilkington made which was a ripoff of blockbusters so this is this is just this is just blockbusters again this totally makes uh, sense so so this is going to be it's going to be a movie that we've covered on the show so if you're not a fan or a listener of the show patrick this might be hard for you but, (laughs) but I'm going to give you a clue that will, it's a cryptic clue that will lead to the title of a movie that we've covered in the past. Are you ready to play? Yeah. You guys can work together. I, this, I will see what happens. I've got my hand on a buzzer. And if, I'm not going to give you the initials yet. If you struggle with it, then I will give you initials. Okay. First clue. The French teacher tells the boy he spotted the correct bird. French teacher tells the boy he spotted the correct bird. Actually, it could be just a man. The French man tells the boy <laughs> he spotted the correct bird. Think about it. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you clues. You look so lost. The, and the initials are B-T. Bravo Tango. 
The Frenchman tells the boy he spotted the correct bird. B.T. Hmm. This is, this is good radio listening to people <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Man, I was hoping it would be one. I'll give you another hint. It's a horror movie. Okay. BT. We've covered it on this show. Mm. I feel like I should have a leg up on this, and yet. It features a lot of facial hair. <laughs> well, it's it's not guar. Old old timey facial hair. Uh, beard um... trauma. From the old west, an <clears throat> old western horror movie. Got it. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Mm. Be- featuring Kurt Russell, an old west horror movie featuring Kurt Russell. We've oh, covered Bone on Tomahawk. the show. Yes, which I'm sure Josh knew, but he didn't say it first. The Frenchman tells the boy he spotted the correct bird. <laughs> Bone. Bone, Tom, a, a hawk. hawk. Yep. Oh, I get it. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> I get it. All right. That's good. That's Josh, good. You both look so upset right now. I was now. trying to think of the plot. No, okay. this is just a title word based game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no. Has nothing to do with the plot. Okay. Now that you understand, clue number two. This is the only other one I came up with. Jerry, John, Jim, Justin, Jeff, Josh. Jim. Jerry, John, Jim, Justin, Jeff, Josh. Okay, it's a lot of J's. Jim. J- hmm. Jerry, John, Jim, Justin, Jeff, Josh. Jim. 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 Uh, is it is it pig? Are those names of pigs? T T M are the initials. <laughs> Jerry, John, Jim, Justin, Jeff, Josh. Jim. TTM. A movie we've covered on the show. Is is the first T a the? Yes. Okay. It also has facial hair, if I remember correctly. Oh, maybe it didn't. No, it didn't. It's a man who's known for facial hair, but in the movie he was clean-shaven. It's an older movie. Oh, I think I know it. What is it? Is it The Third Man? It's The Third Man! Wow. I just watched that recently. In the TTM. I'm do, you get, do, you get, do you get the clue? <clears throat> well, was it just Jim's in threes? Oh. No, because Jim is the third, third man on the list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See, I thought okay. it was going to be a pun again. And, uh, and that's how you play Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode. Okay, everyone, okay. take care of yourself. Bye. <laughs> oh. All right. So I figure we would start with the Sandlot and then move on to Major League based on the ideal, like, I. The idealized version of baseball then leading to what baseball actually is. Okay. Um, 
What's your what's your guys' history with the Sandlot? Have you seen it before? Yeah, I've. I mean, I saw it in theaters when it was when it first came out. Because it was like there was like a time it felt like over two years, where all the kids' movies had baseball in some sort of way. So we would go see all of them in the summer. Rookie of the year, Little Big League, The Sandlot. It was like Kid in King Arthur's Court. Oh, that's right. There uh, was a lot of baseball, wasn't there? Yeah, it was. Um, and I mean, there was like For the Love of the Game and then uh, Major League Three. <laughs> back to the Miners? Oh, no. Two is back to the. No, two is not, three is back to the Miners. It was the first time I ever saw Walton Goggins, and I was like, holy shit, look at those teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Josh, have you seen The Sandlot before? Um, I believe it was on one time when I was in a dorm room with a lady. Uh, so no, Old, oh, don't I don't want your gross <laughs> bedtime stories. No, staining the image of this movie. Okay, <laughs> old old man Josh over there is in college when this came out. Wait, no, you were not in college in 93. No, I was not. But uh, I think it was a good four or five years until it was even till I even saw it. That's what I was going to ask you guys. Uh, how old were you when this came out? If depends, like seven, six or seven, depending on the month. I think I think 10. I think this came out in 93, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I might have seen this in theaters. I must have seen this in theaters. This movie brings up one really, really shameful memory for me. And that was, it was like, I was in third grade and this had come out on VHS. And it was a rainy day in San Diego. And so they're like, okay, we're going to watch a movie. Um, We're going to watch The Sandlot. I remember I walked over to one of the parent volunteers who was hanging out, helping out that day. And I was like, um, I don't know if we should watch this because it has a bad word in it. Oh my gosh. I was such a fucking nerd. <laughs> what a little nerd. Oh, it's still like, honestly, that's one of those memories that still makes me be like, oh, like, oh, I withdraw inside myself thinking about that. God damn, what a nerd. They would do that like on rainy days, you would be stuck in the cafeteria and they would show, show a movie or show tv shows or something like that and it was like so obvious they didn't screen them beforehand like we'd watch four episodes of the simpsons and it was just like marge and homer having sex in the shower and it's like i'm eight years old <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your favorite rainy day activities and games in school uh big fan of heads up seven up yeah that was a good one it's always fun with it- heads up seven up i used to get real sneaky with it so there was days where some kids had long sleeves on and others had short sleeves so what i'd do if i had short sleeves on i would take my hand and pull it all the way inside my short sleeve and then touch somebody's thumb with the cloth part covering my palm so that way they would maybe think that a long sleeve person was the one that touched their thumb also then you get into the the mindset game of like all right I'm not going to look down. If I'm the one who did it, and people are like looking at the crowd trying to figure out and 
call out who did it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to look down, but I'm also not going to make eye contact with you. There's like the perfect amount of blank stare that you can get. Very fun for me as a kid. I love that game. Yeah. It's perfect for the hungover teacher. <laughs> you put a lot more thought into Heads Up 7 Up uh, than, than I did for sure. That's. Yeah. Well, you just blindly chose your friends? No. Ooh, that was always awkward. Remember, like, you don't always want, you always want to choose your friends, but you can't always do that. Right. Or maybe you want to choose the girl that you have a crush on, but first you have to, like, choose some other randos, so it just seems like you're picking people at random, when in, in reality you just want to go touch that girl's thumb with your palm. Oh my gosh, I never, I never could do that. That would, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a step beyond. I still can't. <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I would try to pick on, like, the, the whole spectrum from maybe the popular kid in class to kind of the least popular. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that ever worked out well, but some kids would get angry from get it, for getting picked, even, you know, didn't even want to be playing the game. Kind of those sullen children. <laughs> Sullen children of Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Let me go outside in the rain. Yeah. Uh, I remember a good rainy day activity was uh, the parachute. Oh, yeah. I know. We didn't play that on a rainy oh. day. We just did that. Wait. We, wait, the parachute? That was an outdoor thing. That big-ass parachute, and then you'd like throw balls in the middle, or... One kid would climb under it while all the other kids are waving it. Yeah, stuff like that. We would do that because you had a, you had a place. I guess we just didn't have anywhere inside big enough to do a parachute. Did you not have a gymnasium? In elementary school, no. Mm -mm. Really? We had like gymnasium was high school. The every my middle school was an outdoor basketball court. Yeah, high school was the first time there was like a a legitimate gym. No, we had like an oversized basketball court inside because it was also where we would host like our assemblies and um, you know parents' night and stuff like that. Well, of course you did. You're a Hoosier. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. It's by law you have to touch a basketball court once a week. <laughs> so getting into this movie you know i was really excited to watch it because i i do have a lot of nostalgia for my little league and baseball growing up and how much fun and important it was and there's both like good memories and bad memories associated with it but th this one was a little it wasn't enough baseball and it was a little too much like 50s boomer nostalgia for me to really grasp onto it at least in the first half i don't know i i this this one didn't quite hit for me like i thought it would um yeah the it's kind of weird like watching it i was like i did not remember the first like 15 minutes at all like all the stuff Which where part? like where he's going into the stadium and he's in the announce booth and he's talking about moving in and I was just like, I didn't even remember he had that plastic glove. 
Oh, the glove. That that glove. The glove combined with the gigantic bill mm-hmm. on his baseball hat with the trout on it. Mm-hmm. It just it it elicits such like sympathy for me because he's just that nerdy ass kid out there with dork clothing, and I I just it makes me like flashback to childhood and like childhood insecurities and stuff. And I I actually really liked the first 20 minutes or so of this movie when he's an outcast and then just like what a fucking mensch Benny turns out to be. I mean, like when he shows up at his house to give him a real glove and a real hat and stuff there, there's some really heartwarming moments in this. Yeah. And like, it's it's really interesting to see them build up the relationship and then it seems like Smalls just like disappears into the kids. Like then it's about all of them when they're all together. So it's kind of an interesting trick that they do where it's like they kind of make him out to be the main character, but it turns out like all the kids are the main characters in a way. For sure. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. It, the opening felt very much like faux Spielberg kind of stuff. Um, and it was just, uh, not strong enough for me for a lot of that. Uh, Although, um, that dynamic between Smalls and the group to start with, where he's still the outcast and like, and he doesn't know the story of the beast and all that stuff. Um, I thought was great. And Benny is cooler than any actual kid. There's, there's no way. Like, I never had a Benny. Come on. I mean, it's the fact that Benny's, like, the coolest, most athletic, good-looking kid, but he's also the one with the biggest heart. Yes. And that's just, I just love his character so much. And when, you know, just, I think this movie has a wonderful score that really elevates some of the moments such as like when scott's standing out there in outfield just saying please catch it please catch it and you get that big score moment that builds as benny hits the ball straight in and then from there when he throws it in from the outfield after previously god when he runs that ball in after falling backwards and i just it that move that brought up like there was one season i played child i played little league until Sixth grade was my last year, and my fifth grade season was just shit. It's like bad coach. Two kids were like shitty bullies to me. I played terribly. Like my confidence was shot. It is like I was so insecure that year and everything. And so like that part when he falls over and has to run it in and then runs off the field like crying home. My heart was breaking for this kid throughout this first 20 minutes. Yeah, it was really relatable, all that stuff. And especially being the new kid in town, <clears throat> where your parents are just like, no, you'll, find, you'll be fine, you'll fit in. And it's kind of like, well, how? It's like, you don't yeah. know any of these kids in this neighborhood, and they're immediately like dicks to you. And it's like, if Benny wasn't there, this kid would have no friends and just spend all summer building rector set stuff. So, uh, Josh, what do you think of the parents here with Karen Allen? And it's funny, as this movie started, I was like, all right, who's this stepdad? I feel like it's a Bill. Is it Bill Pullman? Is it Carrie Elwes? Is it Bill Pax? <laughs> Dennis Leary? 
<laughs> I, I, just, I, I forgot that Dennis Leary was on that mid-90s run with this and Demolition Man and a few other things where he was being propped up. Small soldiers. Well, uh, funnily enough, his character's name is Bill. But, Josh, what do you think of the parents and Karen Allen? It's, uh, I think I repeatedly put in my notes, I can't believe it's Karen Allen. Like, you know, you don't get that many Karen Allen performances, period. Uh, and it's wild to me the, the difference between the... I can't picture them as a couple. Between Dennis Leary and Karen Allen. Like... She is so, she seems empathetic and very, uh, you know, kind of heartwarming, traditional um, Midwestern mom sort of thing going on. And then Dennis Leary is your standard, uh, I, I work too hard to, you know, pay attention to my family. And I'm like, really? Like, you just got this family, apparently. This is a new family for you. Can't you? Also, he brings his work home. Uh, and can't leave the table. Like, no one's watching you, bro. You can go play catch with this kid uh, that apparently you've promised you would play catch with. So, I just... What do the parents talk about when the kid's out of the room? I, I can't imagine this dynamic that they have. It's very funny because in my notes, I was like, well, I think this movie does a decent job of not vilifying the stepfather. Mm-hmm. He's, not a, he's not a wonderful father, but... He's not a villain in this, at least. Like, yeah. He does come around to show that he's reasonable, and he kind of grows and f- figures out how to like, relate to Scotty by the end of this. I don't know. It's it's not a great portrayal of stepfathers, but it's I've definitely seen much worse. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you keep expecting him to like have a big heel turn, but it just never happens. He just, it's more he just kind of disappears. Yeah. And Karen Allen, she doesn't get a lot to do. But man, that scene when she tells him, like, you can see her heart's breaking for her son. And she tells him, like, I just want you to make friends, get dirty, get in trouble. How many moms do you know that say that? Like, I I love her so much in this movie. I wish she had a little bit more to do. Oh, for sure. And I mean, not that I don't love my mother, but if I had to have a screen mother... I think Karen Allen would be right up there. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, did you guys ever have an erector set? Because I remember I wanted one after watching this movie, but then it's like an erector set just requires children to become mechanical engineers in order to play. <laughs> yeah. I had an erector set and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm totally going to use this. But it was like, the amount of planning and work you had to do in order to get something that was actually functional, it was like, I'll just play with Legos, put colors together. <laughs> so. Did you have Connects? I never had Connects, no. Connects was kind of like the intermediary between Lego and Erector set, and you could build vehicles and stuff. Oh man, I'm having a flashback now, thinking about the smell of my plastic briefcase full of. <laughs> All of my connects parts. <laughs> I yeah, just don't I remember, think I have the brain for that. No, I remember the kids down the street had connects, uh, and there was one of the kids who would just make giant structures out of it. Uh, and you would always go over, and I don't think there was anything like 
functional about it, but I think the goal was to see how big you could make it. Kind of like when you're a kid and you decide to dig a hole just to see how big of a hole you can dig. (laughs) I think my friend, I'm having a memory, a flashback of him in his living room having either the the Kinects roller coaster or Ferris wheel set up Mm. for like a few weeks after Christmas before his mom was finally like, okay, this is too much. Take this down. That roller coaster was cool. I remember that. Yeah, it was cool. I just, there were so many times when I would see things like that on TV commercials or whatever and like, oh, that looks so awesome. Until the reality of building it or putting it together or maintaining it was actually there in my hands. And then I was like, oh shit, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, it's like Mousetrap and how it's like the only reason to play it is to set it up and then set it off once and then put it all back in the box. Mm-hmm. I used to do that all the time. Just get Mousetrap out, set it up, run it a few times, and then like, all right, that, that was pretty good. <laughs> Put it away for another few weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Bill, Bill and Scotty throw the ball, and the ball hits Scotty in the eye. I had such an averse reaction to putting that giant slab of steak directly on his skin i don't why 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 frozen peas or ice or any why why steak i mean it made a very satisfying sound when it slapped his face (laughs) (laughs) it's just like um it seems like i bet josh has in his upbringing i bet josh has had a steak held to his eye at some point i don't think i ever had a steak i had uh I did once raw chicken breast. <laughs> I did, I did once try to bunt uh and wound up the ball like flipped back and hit me in the nose. Uh and Ooh. like instant bloody nose. Um and uh I think we won the championship that year and I'm going to say it's all because of that. The team rallied around me and really <laughs> pulled together uh, just, you know, for their fallen comrade. Uh, it's like Homer at the you? bat. Yes. Uh, Homer <laughs> at bat may be the best episode of Simpsons ever. <laughs> and it's it might just be my nostalgia for, like, early 90s baseball players speaking, but oh it's my gosh. so goddamn funny. That is a fantastic episode. Manning Lee! I said, clean up those sideburns. <laughs> it's just uh, like- Josh, how old were you? Because I remember my friend, when we were in fifth or sixth grade, my friend played on a team whose coach took Little League seriously. Mm-hmm. And so my friend was only allowed to bunt. And I have a distinct memory of like sitting with his parents in the outfield watching a game and they're like, Come on, coach, please just let him swing. And I'm just like, what is this? What what Little League world is this where winning is so important that we have to make our kids just sacrifice bunters up there? Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the team was. It was Varnes and Hoover was the name of our team. They were sponsored by the local hardware store in Middlebury, Indiana. Uh, and it is still there. It opens apparently 
at 6 in the morning and closes at 5.30 p.m., which is right before they roll up the streets in Middlebury, so. Patrick, do you know the Belly Up, the bar in Solana Beach oh, yeah. on the coast? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they sponsored Little League teams, so when I was in T-Ball, we were the Belly Up Bruisers. <laughs> That's fun. We even did, um, <clears throat> when I did Little League, it was all, like, actual teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I was on, like, the Dodgers one year, and then the Yankees on the other year. It was, like, it was weird. Uh, but I did have a nice collection of hats for a while. That's, uh, one of my kids was on the Cubs one year, and, oh, the A's. For for some reason. Hmm. My nephew's currently on the Red Sox, and I just like can't even talk to him. It's disgusting. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, are you Steve Bartman? What? <laughs> I feel like you could be famous Cubs fan who was ostracized and like exiled from the city of Chicago. I feel like you could have grown a beard. Mm-hmm. Had a new identity created for yourself and just started over in Nashville. I would have had to have because that poor man. Oh my gosh. Oh, I watched a documentary. It's, yes. it's insane. He has not made a public appearance in uh, like 15 years or something. No, that's a- He's on like a J.D. Salinger level of reclusive now because of what happened to him. What happened to him? You mean what he did? <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. And now we know why he's still in hiding. (laughs) So moving on with the movie, after uh, Benny brings the glove and everything, we're going to get introduced to the whole crew. So who do you guys like from the crew? We got Scott and Benny, and then uh, Ham, Ham, Squints, Yeah Yeah, Tommy and Timmy, and... uh, Bertram and who's the kid that pitches? Uh, I can never remember that kid's name because he doesn't really have like any specific character traits, it seems. But, anyways, which kids do you guys like from this whole crew? Uh, I like Yeah, yeah. And you like Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, 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 yeah. That guy like turned out to be like a, a New Jersey bro who would try to go on the uh, the Jersey Shore thing. <laughs> he, he had some kind of run-in with the law. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, I like Squints. Squints was cracking me up, the movie. Like, especially, like, the scene at the pool, just that face he has. Mm-hmm. When you... I was just like, man, this is a kid. Deserved an Oscar for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what? For when when he drowns, or yeah, best, when he's looking up at her best, in the in the lifeguard tower. Oh yeah, just that face, like when he's getting mouth to mouth, and he just looks at his friends. And I'm just like, geez, like this man did deserve the DiCaprio esque career. She's <laughs> her CPR technique is. Terrible. Poor. This kid drowns, and instead of she does zero chest compressions and just keeps breathing in his mouth over and over. I don't think she's a real lifeguard. I think she's just there to tan and oil herself. 
Yes, I think I agree with that. <laughs> the uh, uh, I worked at a at a beach. <clears throat> I mean, we didn't have that many beaches in Indiana, uh, but we had um, oh, what was it called? Is it was it something beach. It was something as goofy as like Corn Lake <laughs> or something. I hope it wasn't the old beach. Oh my Josh, god! Josh, is that how you got into your forties? Yeah, I'm. A- <laughs> I'm actually twelve, guys. Whoa, that, that explains your jokes. Yeah, I just went to the old <laughs> beach. Um, but no, I managed the little like snack stand uh, when I was like seventeen or eighteen because clearly they didn't want to pay more than you know. I don't remember what minimum wage was at the time, but I made minimum wage plus like fifty cents. And everyone else who worked there made like minimum wage. Uh, Whoa, dude! Yeah, <laughs> big time, big money back in 1997. But uh, yeah, we—I was always jealous because the lifeguards would come in. I had to go through lifeguard training um, just in case something happened, but I wasn't actually a lifeguard. Uh, the lifeguards would come in and they'd be all like cool and you know. I was just always jealous of them. And they'd get their free popsicles from me, and I was just kind of bitter about it. That's fine, though. <laughs> Why are you crying? Damn sexy lifeguards eating their popsicles in front of me. Ugh. Um, I don't know. What, what's... Yeah, which, got... kid do you, which kid do you like? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Which kid do I like? I like hmm, probably Squints. I I wish the kid who brings the tobacco had a little more going on because I I I think he's funny when he brings the tobacco and just gets all fucking aggro about it. But Squints is definitely like the highlight of this crew. Although Ham is pretty damn good. I'm surprised Ham and Squints did not like this. Their careers didn't turn out at all I, I it feels like you would then see them after this movie on like nickelodeon tv shows or something but it, it just didn't pan out I particularly all the kids were yeah i thought all the kids were good um i just wanted to look to see what else he was in and he was in son-in-law no oh, that's oh, okay. right he was in son-in-law that's right i forgot about that and then, oh, he was on Salute Your Shorts on an episode of that, too, apparently. Whoa. I know, big time. But he was also in something called Lavantula. Lavalantula. It's a... Oh, uh, I got it. Uh, all I can think now is... Are we playing Blockbuster again? Wanna, <laughs> we hold you in our hearts, and when we think about you... It makes me want to fart. It's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. (laughs) Some things are just burned in my brain and then it just makes me sad because there's like important things and special memories that I have completely forgotten and never remember again. But the Salute Your Shorts theme song is just tucked away in there. So what did you like better? Salute Your Shorts or Hey Dude? I, you know, I wasn't really a live-action Nickelodeon kid. At least those shows were a little bit 
too old for me, or I was a little too young. I was still into the cartoons, and by the time I came around to the live-action stuff, that was more of the, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark era. Which, man, that show scared the fuck out of me sometimes. It would, I would always go, like, I would go into Are You Afraid of the Dark and be like, Okay, if I can watch this, then I can talk about it on the playground. But there's chances that I'm going to really fuck myself up here and have, like, nightmares for weeks after this. Yeah, I always watched, um, I watched Pete and Pete. Mm. But, like, like, K Dude and Salute Your Shorts just didn't grab me for some reason. Did you see I just posted the Pete and Pete theme song in Discord the other day? No, I saw that they were touring. I don't know if they just went on tour or if they're doing it again, but I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. That Pete and Pete theme song, there's a full-length version of it with the video <coughs> of them like jumping around and playing guitar in front of the house set that transports me back so hard into like 90s nostalgia. The other day I was sitting here, I was just, it was one of those moments where I was like, what I wouldn't give to teleport back in time and like be a kid watching TV and that like lying on my back in front of the TV right there after school. Like I, I could just like put myself in my parents' house where I grew up and it's just very nostalgic moment and that song brought it back really really hard with Artie the strongest man in the world mm-hmm. um, and Petunia did a bunch of voices on King of the Hill yes Petunia we're, we're, uh, yes so other moments that Squints just like steals the show is when he he's like kids a square <laughs> and uh, L- L7 weenie um, <laughs> when, when, when Scott when Scotty catches that first fly ball, he, I love when he takes his glasses off and wipes them on his shirt, just like a <laughs> fucking cartoon character. It's like the he does that a few times in the movie, and I was just like, "How can you do that? Like, if I did that with my shirt, I would not. I it would just be a blurry mess. But maybe I'm disgusting. I don't know. So <laughs> how how oily are your shirts? It's it's not uh, oily. It is. Do you use fabric softener, Patrick? Uh, no, I use olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. That's, I hate to tell you this. It. <laughs> it's, it's your Italian heritage coming, <laughs> coming through. Oh, that's fabric softener, though. Go on, Josh. So the fabric softener leaves uh, deposits on your clothing that smear your glasses. Oh, interesting. No, I yep. don't use fabric softener. Do you use like a, a, good- like a dryer ball or something? Mm-mm. Like a good stiff shirt. You're just out here <laughs> rocking a, a stiff, staticky shirt. Mm-hmm. I have to use dryer sheets that are pet specific for whatever reason. They're like giant dryer sheets that I have so much fucking hair on my clothes that each time that I pull out the dryer, the, the lint catch, yeah. it's like peeling a little carpet off of that of dog hair. <laughs> Oh, yeah, our cat doesn't like it. She sheds, but not like noticeably. So, don't have to worry about that too much. Well, speaking of dog hair, Benny's about to hit a home run over the fence. Scott's gonna go over there. I love when the kids are all charging him. Like, no, 
no, losing their minds when he's climbing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we get I I this the the treehouse sleepover is very nostalgic. I never had a treehouse like this. My friends and I always dreamed of it, and we would try it, and we would end up climbing up in a tree and nailing a couple of boards randomly into places. And then we'd be like, okay, that's good enough. And that would just call it there. And that was our treehouse. But did you ever hang out in a treehouse like this? I don't even know if these exist in real life. It's, it looked huge. It looked like a guest house. Yeah. Because it had uh, like nine kids. Yeah. It, it has to be. I'm, I'm thinking it's the same treehouse designer uh, as Stand By Me and Monster Squad. Because uh, they both have great tree houses in them. Uh, this is where the movie kind of takes off for me, and this is where it starts to get good as we get into it with the beast. And you know, I love a montage, and this movie gets so montage heavy here as they try using just like the broom handle to start, and then the erector set with the pot on it. And then eventually running the uh, the catapult erector set little car down there. I love this whole um, this whole montage sequence. Um, yes, yeah, so was this before or after when they showed um, they went to the black and white section where it was just like we were oh. talking about the history with the dog and the owner. And oh, the, like you know, it was like that child folklore that, thing that that's always happens. at the uh that's at the sleepover right we're yes. making s'mores mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, and i'd like I, that i really like at that how stylized and like specific it is like the, the director really knew what what kind of little like feel he was going for with that flashback and how over the top it felt and i love that the beast is like a fucking Cerebus from Greek mythology or something like an eight foot tall dog that must have weighed 300 pounds in this flashback. <laughs> the what do you think of the prosthetics overall on just like the, the dog head and stuff? I thought it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of Cujo. Huh. I, I did not think of Cujo. I thought of um, the, the luck dragon from the never ending story. Hmm. You mean that giant dog? Uh, excuse me, it's Falcor the Luck Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, I thought I don't know. I I thought it was neat. I liked all the clever stuff that they did to make the dog seem like a threat without actually showing the dog. Because part of it is the mystery, right? So they're like they have this thing built up in their heads, and it just turns out to be something completely different. Yeah, because every single time we see the dog it's shown to be like this monster and everything built up in the kids minds and through the fence and then the first time we actually see it is when benny lands on the ground right and it steps out of its doghouse mm-hmm. yeah and that's when you see a, oh, okay this is this is just a neighborhood dog this is not <laughs> this is not a monster yeah um it does get uh, there's one thing we can talk about at the end, but the timeline for this movie is really goofy to me. Because How so? So, 
I think the movie takes place in 1962, which would mean that in the present day, it's 1993. So how old is Benny if he's still playing for the Dodgers 30 <laughs> years later? Is he 45? <clears throat> and then that dog, I mean, there's no way that dog's been alive since like the 20s. Oh, all right. I will, the dog must be... 50? I don't know, 25 years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> I it's insane. I don't know what's going on. Um, which, so we got uh, the preppy kids showing up on all of their bikes and a great needle drop moment with um, whatever song that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you throw a ball like a girl. A classic saying from when I was a kid that brutal you can't <laughs> come back like that <laughs> um yeah and i love the kids uh, after I, they win oh sorry go ahead i just like the kids insults they were making me laugh they're just so dumb and innocent i liked uh you know when ham talks to the batters it's kind of like when taylor in the next movie talks to the one batter about seeing his wife's mm-hmm. oh, yeah. dancing on at the table or whatever and mm-hmm. Yeah, Ham talking about some guy's sister or whatever. I can't remember, but it's just talking shit to all these kids. It's pretty funny. Yeah. What's with those helmets that those kids were wearing? It's like the first baseball helmets, and they're like these weird wraparound. It's like the horseshoe bald man pattern, where it's only they wore it on top of their hats. Those were just fascinating to me. Those preppy nerds wearing helmets. (laughs) Yeah, and it was funny how they showed up, they got beat, and then you never see them again. It was a very random little drop-in thing, but it does lead to uh, celebrating at the fair. Yes. Have you guys done dip or chewing tobacco? No. No. Really? Josh? Have you guys done any tobacco? No. Mm-mm. What a couple of good boys I'm with. <laughs> My dad was well, a big smoker, s- but um, he quit, so was never around. No one in my family smoked until my sisters, and then both my sisters did. It's like our my parents did when we were really young, but they quit. I was never around smokers, but anyways, I started with dip, and then I I. That briefly did um, chewing tobacco like this, those big leaves, and just have like a big old wad of it. And just to this day, thinking back on those times in my life, having like Gatorade bottles, it just or like empty mm. beer bottles, just with ugh, it, I don't even want to. It, it, was- it just still grosses me out. Now, this scene was hilarious because the whole time i was watching this i was just thinking of uh last episode and previous guest connie our friend who has real problems with vomit and uh there's a lot of it in this scene and it's some of the grosser looking movie vomit i've seen on screen it has like a real brown orange color to it that i don't like (laughs) no it was really i mean it was really visceral scene 
Because also just the same amount of chew, it was like the classic kid move of just being like, oh, just give me any amount. And then you're just like essentially smoking like eight cigarettes. Yeah. Oh, no, those kids would be buzzing. Their heads would be spinning. Mm -hmm. Going straight into uh, chewing tobacco like that. Um, Um, And now on on a vomit scale, I will say, you know, this show, we tend to analyze vomit. It never really shows the kids even spitting anything out. It's like all off screen or just sound effects and like burping sound effects and then buckets of stuff being thrown out. It has nothing on Macon Blair. Macon Blair is still the king. Mm-hmm. Always will be. The only time we've had actual real vomit on this show. And uh, I hope to see more one day. <laughs> I, I do love how everybody gets like splashed with it. Uh, like people are running off the ride and they puke on like a couple's shoes who are walking past. Uh, and it's not just it's not the hose. It's not the Saturday Night Live like hose of vomit. It's uh, it's really like yarking, just a kind of a thing. Is what you know, like yarking. I've heard Yark. you say Ralphing on this show many times. Mm-hmm. I- I've never even heard the word yark. Y a r k. I believe so. Yeah. Why is it that I always stop the show to ask you about these weird words that you use, but apparently you know every single word that I use and you never stop the show? Hmm. Huh. Is it, am I that uninteresting that you just, you don't find anything <laughs> fascinating about what I say to stop me and interrupt me and ask for an explanation? The... Alright, so the boys yarked, <laughs> and, uh... Moving on. They need a ball, Scotty gets his Babe Ruth ball. And uh, it's a home run. Scotty hits a dinger. So we're going to get the whole setup here for the end of this movie. I like that the first solution is the correct one when uh, I think Scott says, why don't we just go knock on the door and ask for our ball? And they're like, you idiot. We can't do that. The yeah. will kill us. And then he's just like, why didn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we wouldn't have um, a movie in that case. Yeah. Oh, um. One method I forgot to mention, the vacuums. I fucking love the catcher mask combining the three vacuums and that the kids are doing this all procedurally where it's like, phase one, go, phase two, go. And just, I I miss doing things like that from childhood where everything becomes a giant procedure that's like so far over the top with your friends and you, you know, you take things so seriously and everything becomes such a, such a production. Yeah, and there's not like you can't tell any of the adults. Like the adults are really not a part of it. So it's just like you show up with like a broken vacuum cleaner. And you're just like, I don't know what happened, mom. <laughs> little uh, little Timmy or Tommy walking out of that cabin after the explosion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> covered in dust. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sean, go ahead, Josh. Sean. I'm glad this is where. The movie really picked up for you because this is where the movie fell off for me was the the whole big montage and everything uh, and jumping from all these scenarios to one to another. It was you don't like yeah yeah doing Mission Impossible. It was just too much. It was just you know either needed to be faster or less scenarios. I, I don't know. 
it does. How, I mean, I, how many different methods do they try? Like five? It feels like 15. I don't know. uh we got yeah so the next one would be uh benny's dream what do you think of benny's benny's dream here with the babe and this guy the only thing i know this guy from is it's funny how this movie's double dipping hard in the field of dreams cast Yes, with that's this right. guy, this guy and James Earl Jones. It's like, well, that's a good baseball movie. Let's just use those guys. Yeah. Um, he was also uh, Mr. Baseball. Oh God, that movie was shit. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that I had such a visceral reaction, but I loved baseball movies as a kid, and so I was like excited because I also liked her alibi, and so it's like, oh great, Tom Selleck baseball movie can't go wrong. And then I saw it, and it was just... Do you remember when you started to realize that not all movies were good? Yeah. It, it was around that time for me. No. It was that, and then also Mr. 3000. It's another bad baseball movie. Oh, I've never seen that with Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac, who somehow gets a hit negated, <coughs> and so he ends his career 2,999, and then tries to go back years later. I'm yeah. laughing. Uh, what's the quote? Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That never really made sense to me. Like, it it sounds, uh, it sounds insightful and poetic, but then when you really think about it, it just, it's kind of a meaningless statement. It's, it's a bit, uh, not ontological, but it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, I see I see a rich white woman drinking white wine with heroes get remembered legends never die on like wood blocks on her wall. It's a little wordy it for that, re- don't you think? It's a lot of wood blocks, okay? It does feel like a a bit first drafty. Where they're like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> um had, have you heard of PF Flyers before? Is this like a shoe that I'm not aware of? Okay. Absolutely. I used to own PF Flyers. Like this style? Mm-hmm. Whoa. I yeah. bet you could run so fast and jump so high. Mm-hmm. I would run to school in them. I got to school in like 10 seconds. <laughs> I had Reebok pump shoes at one point. Whoa. Remember pumps? Yes. Uh. The was it a pump and the the Nike Air? Uh, I feel like came out around the same time, and we would try to do all kinds of like shoe experiments. Um, I remember one time we I had an old pair of Nike Airs and uh, tried to fill them with with slime, like through a syringe. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because there were like maybe Asics or somebody came out with a gel filled shoe. So we were like, oh, "Oh, we can make our own gel shoes uh, through cornstarch, a little bit of food coloring, some water. It was the 90s. It was the time of slime. Yes. I remember we went to Walmart once when I was in high school because we were like, oh, remember those shoes that light up? They must make those for adults, right? And they were like... LA gear. Yes. And... uh, we were like, do you have the shoes that light up? And they're like, for children, are you a child size? And I was just like, I don't, 
You're not helping me at all. <laughs> I went through a phase where I wanted to get, as an adult man, I both wanted to get a pair of LA gear, which now that we're talking about it, I want them again. So thanks for reawakening that in me. And the other thing I wanted was uh, adult Heelys, because there was just a lot of times in my life, especially living in San Francisco, where you just catch yourself walking on just the right hill. And it's like, you know, I could roll down this hill so fast, and then the meth heads could never catch me. <laughs> I always uh, wanted a pair of British Knights. From like what Double are British Dare. Knights? They would just shoe on Double Dare that they would win. Really? And then they would give them Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson? I, yeah, probably. <laughs> it sounds uh, fun. That was, that was Shanghai Knights, I believe. What about uh, soap shoes? Sean, did you ever have soap? Oh, shit, I forgot about soap shoes. The shoes that you could grind yes. rails on? Yes. Wow. Yeah, those must have been terrible for your feet, right? To just have like a big hunk of plastic right in the middle of your arch? It doesn't seem good. And uh, also, it just... So many of these things, the Heelys, the soap shoes, uh, it seemed like just a really great way to break a wrist. Uh, when I was in high school, there was a girl who, like, it was, they would wear them for fashion, just because why not? Mm-hmm. And we had a two-story high school, so she was walking down the steps, and her soap caught the edge of the stair, and she fell down the stairs. Ugh. And it was, yeah, like, literally, like, tumbled down a staircase. Was and she okay? She never, uh, I think so. She's still alive. So. Okay, good. Falling downstairs is so funny in movies, and so not funny in real life. Yeah, it's... We have a staircase in our house, and I'm, like, terrified I'm just gonna fall down it. Uh, Every time. I feel like if God existed, real-life staircase falls would be less injurious and more comical. Almost as bad, or actually worse to me, than falling down the staircase is falling up the staircase. It's much more common in my household. I've fallen down once in the middle of the night uh, with... uh, In the middle of the night, (laughs) I go falling down my stairs. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you're trying to usher a yarking dog outside. (laughs) Oh, dude, when when Buster is making throw-up noises in the middle of the night... I bolt out of bed. I'm in my backyard before I'm even awake. I don't know how I get there, but it's just like, no, don't puke in the house, please. How do you fall uh, up a staircase? I'm saying, like, you can't fall you all the way your, up a staircase. Because some stairs have that little lip mm-hmm. that overhang, right? And so you, you catch your toe on that? Yep. Oh, okay. I see. And, and then, I was imagining you tumbling up a staircase. Like no, defying gravity somehow. Uh, it, Sean, are you gonna sing "Defying Gravity" now? What's that? You're not not a big uh, Wicked fan. You sing it. I don't know it. I also don't remember it. I just know it's a song from Wicked. Oh, he's too scared to sing on the podcast. That's it. Uh, but yeah. So like. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, what's wicked? The wicked the, the musical. The, 
the musical based on the Gre- Gregory Maguire. Why book. would you assume that I know a song from a musical about the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you? Why would you assume I've even seen that? Oh, I've never seen it. I just know it exists. <laughs> I know of it. You are so frustrating sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of musicals, Evil Dead musical, I just saw it's playing at a small local theater here. Uh, have you guys heard anything about it or know anyone who's seen it? I have. Because I'm thinking of going. I have seen no. it. Really? Was it good? It is awesome. Uh, there's a sp- should I pay $15 extra to be in the splash zone? I was going to say, you should sit in the splash zone. I think it, it are... Uh, not screening of it or performance of it uh, for your $15. You got a t-shirt that says something about sitting in, in the, I saw evil dead and blah, blah, blah. And then that t-shirt is going to be stained forever. This one says there's a poncho. Okay. Handout. So for your $15, you get a two cent piece of plastic yes. probably is my guess, but, okay. Uh, okay. but it's, it'd be 35 for general admission or 50 for, Splash Zone, so I figure, why not? Yeah. Now I'm just trying to find someone who wants to go see Evil Dead at small regional theater in Healdsburg with me. I feel like I was never a big fan of, like, Splash Zones and stuff like that, because, like, at a theme park, you're just wet all day. But then, like, you have to get into your car, and you're going to be all sticky. Like, you have to be prepared, like, bring a tarp or something. Oh, that's true. Maybe I'll bring, bring shirt. A pair of shirt and pants. A pair of a pair of pa- shirt. <laughs> a pair of shirt. So of shirt. when we would play the pair of shirt inside, you'd sometimes uh, you do the one where you all get inside. <laughs> you ever do that one? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, inside mm-hmm. the pair of shirt. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens? You, well, you just all just sit there, and it's like a dome. It's like a big dome. Around. I'd love as. Parachute was some of my favorite times playing as a kid. Yeah, the, just it's a good time. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get the final chase here as we finish out this movie. Uh, so what'd you think of it with the wipeout running through the the picnic with the giant cake, tearing through the movie theater screen? I mean, you gotta uh, love Josh. Good chaotic Josh chasing. has like a sour look on his face, so Josh is probably just like bitter and upset about this so patrick what did you think about this chase scene I mean, you, you, you kind of love a good chaotic chase scene like stuff getting thrown up in the air just barreling down tables and it's it's great it's perfect uh they should be in every movie in my opinion i love comical bakers for some reason <laughs> bakers just look so pathetic when they're portrayed <laughs> in movies and stuff like this. And I think it's because of their their dumb hats that they choose to wear. <laughs> yeah, the- I've worked in many bakeries, and that would be a deal breaker. If I showed up to my first day of work, and they're like, oh, you're here, okay, here's your uniform, wear this hat. Like, no, 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 no. Also, I've never worked in a uniform, in a place that actually provided me with a uniform. Which would be nice because I always have dog hair on my clothes, so then I have to figure out a way to get to the bakery without just being covered in dog hair. Um, yeah, that seems like it'd be an issue for food. But I mean, not for me as much. I'm used to it, but it's like other people have like some kind of weird qualm about 
picking hair out of their mouths when they bite into food. I don't know. <laughs> People are weird, you know? The uh, I didn't mind the chase. The, the comical bakers were funny. I hated the end of the chase. Hated it. What? When The fence? The, when the fence falls on the dog. Yeah. I did not like that at all. The, okay. That, uh, that was upsetting. I'll just I'll say this movie I have a lot of nostalgia for it. It was like for me like I was enjoying it. It was pretty good. It was it was running like a 3 out of 5. And then of course fucking movie I I start crying at the end of this because there's a dog trapped and the little tremble in Scott's voice as he says Benny help me mm-hmm. and Scott's the only one who fucking steps up who has the courage to then and like the heart to go help this monster that's been against them and then just this whole ending with the dog licking his face showing them the balls they can play forever and then James Earl Jones I mean mm-hmm. come on this movie ends on such a strong note that it kind of wipes some of the boredom of the first half away for me. And I like James Earl Jones is so fucking good in this. And I don't know what it is about the man, but he just embodies like the spirit of baseball in some strange way between this and field of dreams. And once again, it's, you have the super warm character. Like he just is very, I guess, homey feeling. And like, you would totally want to sit down and talk to this guy. I would want to, as an adult, sit down and talk to this, talk to this man. I love that set, the set of his house with all the baseball history. It's like a little baseball museum Mm -hmm. that he lives in. It looks so cozy. Yeah. What was it? He got hit in the head and that's why he went blind. And that's what ended his career. Yeah. Just Um, took a pitch and lights out. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting, like, seeing these kids, like, he's, James Earl Jones is kind of the perfect actor to play this part, just because he has such gravitas, and he seems so intimidating, but he is very sweet, and then the little boys can just be like, you know, whoa, this is crazy, oh, you know, just basically it's, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it just added a lot to the scene. Also, nice to see a time when young people respected their elders, am I right? (laughs) All these punk kids out here now with their TikToks. Their soap shoes. And their soap shoes and their (laughs) bell bottoms. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so they make a deal with him. Uh, stepdad turns out to be okay, not a complete piece of shit, and is okay with getting the the ball with all the Yankees. And uh, I thought it was very touching. All right, back to the present or the '90s present now. He has the three Babe Ruth balls, the one that Benny signed, the original, and then the one with the home team. I thought it was very sweet that he had the Benny signed Babe Ruth ball along with the two legit ones. Mm-hmm. And then um, the jet fucking steals home, and it just it fills me with baseball magic. And as <laughs> as ridiculous the idea of 
a 45-year-old man <laughs> stealing home and then looking up at the press box and giving the press box a thumbs up. I know it's ridiculous and dumb and overwrought, but God damn it, it just filled my little heart with baseball love. It totally works. It's uh, the two scenes, I think, uh, when Smalls first catches the ball. Uh, that moment got me teary-eyed. And then this moment, like, it was so... It is. It's just Americana right there. Yeah, and the scene right before that where it talks about, like, the kids would still play, but then the kids started moving away. It was like, yeah, that happens. And then it talks about, like, what happens to some of them. And, like, one of the... Was it Bertram got really into the 60s and it just wasn't heard from again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Squints ended up having nine kids with Wendy Peppercorn because you're like, of course. I, I like I like those end title cards or those those end notes that you get on characters like this, and it definitely did also fill me with some of that melancholy, that bittersweet melancholy of growing up and moving on, and people moving into your life, and then people moving out of your life, and the friends that you think are going to be so important to you when you're young, you know, you just, life happens and you drift apart and drift away and seeing all these kids slowly like fade away. And especially when the dog, when they, when they fade that dog out, I mean, it's wearing a t-shirt. The dog is wearing a t-shirt and they faded away. What am I supposed to do but cry? So, uh, do you guys have anything else to, you want to talk about with this one before we wrap this up here? Uh, the only thing, the weird thing that I noticed when I was kind of looking around for information for this movie was there was a defamation lawsuit from the real Squints who said that uh, his portrayal in the movie was derogatory and caused him shame and humiliation. <laughs> I saw that when I was reading it today, and it cracked me up because they barely changed the guy's name. Yes. Uh, Michael Polydoros is the guy's actual name, Hmm. and uh, Squint's name is... Oh, fuck, I can't find it. Michael Uh, Polydoros. Michael Palidoros. They they changed, like, two, two letters. Yeah. Um, I like that it just got dismissed. The judge is like, no. <laughs> I'm not allowing this. I was looking at the Wikipedia, and there's a... I guess Roger Ebert really liked this movie. And he said it was like a summertime Christmas story. And But the quote they used about it was, there was a moment in the film when Rodriguez hit a line drive directly at the pitcher's mound, and I ducked and held up my mitt, and then I realized I didn't have a mitt. And it was then how I also realized how completely this movie seduced me with his memories of what really matters when you're 12. And it's just like, you didn't do that, you fat nerd. <laughs> like, you think <laughs> movies are real? <laughs> you fool. <laughs> oh, boy. Sometimes writers can't help but be writers, huh? And yeah. They just, they just can't help but, like, wax on all of that fucking poetic. And it's like, Let's wax off a little bit. Yeah, like eat, like Siskel sitting next to him, and he's like, "What are you doing? Holding your hand up? Watch the movie." <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like to imagine Roger Ebert actually did bring a glove into this, and he's <laughs> yeah. just sitting there punching the glove, just waiting for the ball to come to him. <laughs> I would on on for me, I would give this movie a three and a half out of five. It was like a three out of five, and then I'm crying at the end, and I just like, God damn it, movie. My heartstrings are easy to pull, and you pulled them, so I'm giving you an extra half point. Uh, Josh, how about yourself? Um, uh, sadly enough, uh, I I didn't love this movie so much. I feel bad. Um, and see, this is one that I did write. You a don't review. like to not like movies. No, I really don't. It's it hurts me to not like a movie. Uh, I mean, Russell makes fun of me for how many movies I like. Uh, but I gave it. I'm 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 proud of you right now for not liking something. I this is a big step for you. I gave it. You've two never stars. not liked something on. You've never not liked something on the show. Two stars. Two stars. I think that's the lowest rated movie ever on the show. Wow, quite possibly. Yeah. My lowest rating. My lowest was a two and a half for Sound of Music. Okay. Uh, two and a half means okay. that I would watch it again, and I, I sadly I don't think I would. Well, on that disheartening note, Patrick, what do you think of this is this terrible movie, the worst movie we've ever watched for this show? <laughs> um, yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't like it, because you the last time you saw it, you were trying to make out with the girl in the dorm room, and she just wanted to watch a baseball movie, so it's probably bringing <laughs> up bad memories for you. Um, no, I mean, it's hard not to give it at least three and a half stars just based on nostalgia. Cause I've, I saw it so many times as a kid, it is a little boring. Sometimes it takes a minute to get going, but I think there's like a, a solid hour of that movie that just flies by. So yeah. Awesome. Three and a half. Yes. Yeah. The nostalgia was strong, but not that strong with this one. But, uh, if we want to talk about strong nostalgia, wait for this next movie we're going to talk about because, oh boy, is Major League a staple of my life or what? Mm. So we'll see you in the, after the break. Josh, do you want to introduce the next movie? Yes. Also, we've, we realized we never mentioned the director of The Sandlot. I don't know if that's important. I w- but Patrick and I looked into his history, and The Sandlot 3 is a crazy movie. Really? The Sandlot 3. Yeah. It sounds the insane. Sandlot th- oh, so uh, I guess I'm talking about the director, so I might as well just do it right now. <laughs> the, the, the director is uh, David Mickey Evans. He's also the guy that narrates it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, The Sandlot 3, Luke Perry plays a baseball star who's all about the money and everything. And then he gets hit in the head by a foul ball or something and travels back in time 28 years to when he was 13 so he's a 41 year old baseball player (laughs) and then his mom has cancer when he's 13 and there's like a developer that wants to put land on the sandlot and he joins the developers baseball team but then he realizes that he should play with his friends so he plays for them instead and wins the game to save the sandlot and then someone wants to give him the game ball and they throw it to him and it hits him in the head and knocks him unconscious, and he goes into the future, the present. But now he's not a bad guy because he's been loyal to his one baseball franchise, the Dodgers, so he actually is a bad guy. (laughs) But now, get this, 
in the time that his whole life changed when he got knocked out, he married someone and had two children with them. So he now just like wakes up to this new existence with a wife and two kids who are complete strangers to him. And there's like a cancer subplot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, uh, oh, yeah. His mom's ghost says that she's proud of him. Well, that's nice. Good for him. So that's the Sandlot 3 heading home. Would you like to introduce us to Major League? I think you just did, Sean. Well, we're talking about Major League, 1989 sports comedy movie written and directed by David S. Ward. And I picked this movie because this is just one of my favorite movies. I loved this movie as a kid. I continue to love this movie as an adult. And it's just... It's just perfection. And what I, what I really realized... Uh, this time round watching this, I now understand why I like this movie. It's all montages. <laughs> There's like nine montages in this movie. It's wonderful. What's you guys' history with this? Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this when it first came out on uh, home video. This wasn't a... Um, theater excursion for me but i do remember seeing it very early very young uh as i think we've gone over before my parents were pretty laissez-faire when it came to what i watched when i was a youngster and uh i think this kind of snuck in under under their radar because there's there's some crude words in here they say a lot of they say a lot of swears they do they do a lot of cusses i got in trouble when i was a kid because I remember this distinctly of watching this on VHS for what, however many times with my sister. And when Wild Thing comes on, I repeated the line with her. I said, I hate this fucking song. And my sister yelled at me, Mom! Sean just said the F word! <laughs> and I got in trouble. <laughs> Classic sister. That might have been my first time ever swearing, though. Now, like, honestly, that I think back about it. It was that... And then my sis, my parents went somewhere to dinner or something and left me at home alone with my sisters, and they're older than I am, and we watched... What's the Tom Cruise Law movie? The Firm? The Firm. Gene Hackman? It was during that they just taught me like how to swear and every swear word possible and everything. And so I remember just sitting there as like a nine-year-old or however old it was and be like, so Tom Cruise thinks this guy's an asshole, right? And he's <laughs> trying to sound so cool swearing. And that was a big, mu- and big night of my life. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> what, uh, Patrick, so what's, what's movie, your history with the movie? Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you. I think the first times I saw it was on, like, USA or Comedy Central or something like that. So it was all censored. I didn't really see the uncensored version until maybe five or six years ago. But okay. I'd, really? I'd seen it a bunch of times, but just because it was so ubiquitous, like it never, like it was never on stream here or anything until finally it was. Um, but yeah. I think I I've, saw this. Oh, sorry, Patrick. Go ahead. It's okay. I think I've seen. I don't think I've ever seen two or three, though. 
two was, I think two was the first experience I had in theater of getting really hyped for a movie and then it being bad. Mm. And because, I mean, I was three years old when Major League came out, so this was um, a VHS movie. I watched this so many times, though, that by the time Major League 2 came out, I was so fucking hyped and excited, and, like, they got Behringer back, Charlie Sheen's back, and then that's not Wesley Snipes. (laughs) And uh, just, like... Things just started to feel off, and it started. It felt like a a diet soda version of the original movie, and they also PG thirteened it oh, instead no. of keeping it R. Oh, and there's this whole subplot where like Charlie Sheen is dating a woman who works at an orphanage or something, and like he hangs out with these kids, and one of the kids is kind of like a a quick talking Josie guy kind of like this and they didn't even check out my ca- oh god I, Josh I like I, I, I like that listeners this, what happened what happened today was we recorded our episode about the sandlot and then Josh had to go pick up a tire which I don't understand why tires are ready to be like Picked up like they're a passenger or a pizza. Yeah, you roll them. You don't pick them up. Yeah, it should just like roll right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Picking them up but is, is anyways. <laughs> anyways, Patrick and I had about twenty five minutes to kill, and I ended up getting high in that time, and uh, now I'm just rambling incoherently. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I was surprised. So this, yeah, I looked up this movie. Um. And I was surprised at, like, the guy who wrote it and what else he wrote. Because he wrote, like, he's, he was nominated for two Academy Awards. Really? Yeah, he wrote The Sting, and he wrote Sleepless in Seattle. Let's see. Oh, wow. He wrote and directed the program. And King Ralph. Is a, the program is a similarly terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ooh, but then the program has Omar Epps, who then replaces Wesley Snipes in Major League Two. It's all coming around. Wait. This guy's had such a wild career. He yeah. also wrote King It really Ralph. went downhill. Yeah. Which is now a documentary. <laughs> mm. So what... All right, what is King Ralph? King, uh, King Ralph... Uh, opens with, I believe, the entire royal family being killed. Uh, they're electrocuted, and so they have to go down the line of succession. And who do you find? John Goodman. John Goodman, as Ralph, is the n- next in line after everyone else has perished. Is it too soon after the Queen's death for us to record a podcast on that movie? Never. We- I don't want to watch it. It doesn't sound good. Uh, Eli loves it, so. He watched it on yeah. the day that she died. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Eli scares me sometimes with his taste. This is true. Uh, one, at least one final note for me on the writer. He goes by David S. Ward, but his middle name is Shad. Shad? Shad. Shad. S. Chad. That's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
That's like a, 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 a fence who buys stolen goods in Obsidian Blade Runner. <laughs> That's oddly yeah. specific. Okay. Shad. Like go it. see Shad if you want to sell your shit. Yes. Uh. So Randy Newman is kind of annoying, huh? <laughs> Although I do like this intro. This is probably my favorite Randy Newman song. Uh, they're so over the top. Big It's he's he's so cheeseball, and all of his songs feel very like "Look at me" too, and <laughs> perform like it's. You know when you're listening to a Randy Newman song because it interrupts the entire movie. I'm glad they put this at the very start of this. In, in this montage of just showing sorry to any Cleveland listeners. Sorry, John. What a shithole Cleveland seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the Cuyahoga River literally catching on fire because it's so polluted. It definitely sets an I did odd read, tone. I did read in 2019 that the Cuyahoga River one river of the year in honor of the 50 year anniversary of its 1969 fire and how much restoration they've done to it. Hmm. Uh, I didn't know there was awards for a river of the year. I get their magazine. Oh, okay. Uh, river monthly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's sub sister stream, uh, streams weekly. Hmm. Why are, why do the streams get more coverage than the rivers? Because a lot of little streams feed into one big river. There, there you go. go. Is it true that uh, big river keep on rolling? Hmm. I've heard that. Yeah. That went over my head. I don't know what that meant. Oh. That's okay. So Randy Newman's annoying. Uh <laughs> Oh, so many. So the movie starts off right off the bat. The owner has died. His wife takes over. I guess this is um, based on a somewhat true story of a similar circumstance with the owner of the Los, An Los Angeles Rams who died and his wife took over the team. And then about 15 years later, she moved it to St. Louis, which was her hometown. And so that was kind of loosely based on the inspiration for this. Um, but I, I, I think this story is really fun and it's fun to have a villain in a sports movie like this. And I think there's often not like one singular villain. The villain is trying to overcome our obstacles and unite as a team. And our, the villain is like the fact that we can't work together and none of that bullshit in this. The villain is like an evil stripper who wants to destroy the team. <laughs> It was crazy when they were talking about like moving the team to Miami and it was like, they're building us a new 65,000 seat stadium. And it's like, so they're building you a football stadium. Like that is gigantic. Oh yeah. That's huge. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine how empty that place would feel during a, a regular season game. <clears throat> yeah. I've been to the Miami stadium and like, they're lucky to get like 5,000 people. Oh, I mean the Marlins. Yeah. Yeah, they nobody shows up for them, even when they're good. Yeah. 
Uh, so this this cast is just absolutely stacked from top to bottom with like Tom Berenger, Wesley Snipes, uh, Charlie Sheen. I guess Corbin Burnson. What's Corbin? People seem to know Corbin Burnson. I only know him from this movie. Uh, he was in L.A. Law, was he not? I don't know what that is. I know, I know that was like the show with John Larroquette was mm. on that. No, nope. it's Night Court. Damn it! Okay, see, I don't know these things. Uh, L.A. Law was a. I mean, I was a little young for it, but it was a Stephen Bochco drama, like a legal legal drama. I don't think it was a thriller at all. Uh. But it was more more of a workplace drama than a court drama. So network TV has been dumping these exact same lawyer shows now on us for forty years. Approximately, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in it's... Psych. <clears throat> I didn't watch Psych. Never seen it. Oh, I remember okay. from TLC. But anyway, I I love Tom Berenger only because of Sniper. It's like the only movie I really know him from outside of this. And Sniper is another one of those childhood movies that I just thought was so fucking cool when I was a kid. And him and Billy Zane losing their minds out in the jungle together. It, it, that movie gets so weird. Have you seen it? No. No. Oh, it's good. And now there's like eight sequels and Tom Berenger and Billy Zane. It's like you could tell their career paths where, you know, Tom Berenger, decent sized star, Billy Zane got Titanic and stuff. So they were they were not in Sniper 2, 3, 4. And then like Billy came back for Sniper 5. And now, like, Tom and Billy are both in, like, Sniper 8, and they're just, like, low-budget schlock shit movies. And these two poor guys whose careers just seemingly dissolved. I I thought you were exaggerating or being hyperbolic here. No, there are eight Sniper films. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. I feel like that might be the one where, like, at some point they had professional wrestlers in it or something like that. It might have been a WWE production at some point. Like, it was like Randy Orton or something like that. But I could be wrong. Remember when they made Battle Royale, but with a bunch of wrestlers on an island instead of Japanese students? Now, is that a thing? Yeah, That's a thing. That's a real movie. You you should watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't. I've got too many Hooptober movies to watch. Just add it to your list. Oh, you know what? That that works. I'm sorry. I should have seen this. I should have seen it. And then uh, next on the list, Charlie Sheen, who I I loved Hot Shots. I I think I might have liked Hot Shots Part Two more when I was a kid than the original. I haven't seen either of those movies in probably twenty years. I have no idea if they hold up or not. Yeah. I remember Saddam Hussein's in both of them, right? 
I remember <laughs> Saddam Hussein is sunbathing in his backyard and then gets a gigantic bomb dropped like in his lap. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> so I'm going to say something controversial here. Okay. Uh-oh. This this movie has a top 50 all-time original score. The score in this movie is incredible. And the fact that it seems like it was composed after the edit, so all the characters have different little stings. Mm-hmm. So you get like a Serrano sting, which then leads into, which is like all kind of voodoo-y. And then that leads into like a Willie Mays Hayes sting, which is like a little bit more playful and cheerful. Like the music in this is amazing, and then I'll, I'll I'll put it in the podcast. But there's there's a song in this that's called like "Chase for the Pennant" or something, and it just gets my fucking blood pumping. <laughs> I think it plays in the montage when they're like winning a lot and stuff. But I I I'm a real nerd for this soundtrack. Okay. Uh, Not the Randy Newman part though. No, but James Newton Howard is that that guy's a legend. Oh, is that who composed it? No wonder. Yes. Very okay. very solid yeah. composer. He did uh Unbreakable is a really good one that he did. I used to listen to that on my iPod. What what kind of things were you doing when you listened to the Unbreakable? Just like bench I don't pressing, know, just normal stuff like benching paint cans. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's a good it is a good score. I like it. He's done. I think he's done all or almost all of Shyamalan's films. Um. Oh, dude. That new Shyamalan movie that's based on the Paul Tremblay book, mm-hmm. Cabin at the End of the World. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for it because I, I think I mentioned it on this pod, but I have no idea. It It's a pretty brutal book. I, I can't see Shyamalan sticking to it. I feel like he's going to like try to Shyamalan it up in one way or another. I don't know. Have, you haven't seen any of Servant, have you? Uh, no, that's the show with the redhead woman from Can't Hardly Wait. Yes. That you like. Yes. Lauren Ambrose. (laughs) No, the the weird gothy girl that hooks up with Seth Green. Mm -hmm. Who who secretly is actually the hottest one in the movie all along. Mm -hmm. Uh... But no, that show, I mean, it, it's not straight up gory. There is some real gross stuff, some real uh, Hannibal kind of like food prep things going on sometimes uh, where you're like, the food is disgusting and I never want to eat an animal again. Uh, but the implication of a lot of that show is very disturbing. So I think he can, I think he can get there. I'll get around to it. I just first have to finish Leftovers, which I started in 2020, and it's now September 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started that show. I got like three episodes in, and it was just like, it's too much for me right now. I love it. That's like it. 
that show makes me emotional many, many times. Like it, it hits you in the gut over and over. I really love it, which is why I never finished it because I've, with TV shows, I, I have problems finishing them sometimes, especially if they mean a lot to me. And so that one, I literally got to the point where I had two episodes left and then I just stopped watching it. Ugh. So now I've gone back through uh, and I've rewatched the whole third season. So now I'm back at the point where I was, where I have two episodes left. And so now I just need to actually finish the show this time. I think I did that with Justified, where I flew through the first four seasons and I really loved it. And then I stopped. And then now I'm just, it's, I lost all momentum with that. It sucked. I fell off the Justified bandwagon and I want to finish the show, but I don't remember anything about it. I think I stopped watching around the time Amy Smart from the Crank movies was on it. And Patrick, I feel like you and I had this conversation the last time you were on the show, because this is feeling very deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yes. But what is time if not a flat circle? That's what they say. Um, Oh, and then, uh, I mean, last but not least on this list is James Gammon, who I've only ever seen him in uh, Cabin Boy. I believe, but I can't do a James Gammon voice. His voice is incredible, though. What perfect casting to play Lou Brown, the manager in this movie. I he elevates every scene that he's in. Uh, uh, he is in one of my favorite movies, Cool Hand Luke. Oh yeah, I just watched that. Who is he in that? Uh, he's sleepy. Oh, no wonder I didn't notice him. He's just off in the background taking naps. Yeah, just... Uh, he's the character who always wears a nightcap. Okay. I was trying to spot... Um, who's he what's it's in that? Hopper. Dennis. Oh, Dennis yeah. Hopper. I could not spot him, though, because I don't know what young Dennis Hopper looks like. I only know Dennis Hopper is like an old man or a rebellious motorcycle rider. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, Hopper's, um, he's got a funny name in it. It was good, though. It was, uh, that, oh, fuck me, I can never remember this guy's name. The guy from Naked Gun and from the Iger Sanction. He was very good in it, though. Um, I don't remember who's in both of those movies. Frank Drebin's boss. It's not Strother Martin. The guy is it? who, the guy who climbs the tower. Oh, at, at oh, George Spire Kennedy. It's George Kennedy. George Kennedy. Yes. yes. Yeah, he's he's a great friend. Do you see what leaving the show for twenty five minutes does to it? <laughs> it breaks it. Where where are we even? What short? What movie are you talking about? <laughs> We're still in Major League, and I'm waiting for you guys to take the bait on one of my introductions and go off and say something tangential about it. About Bob Uecker? I think Bob Uecker is a pretty big oversight for the cast. Oh, I'm sorry. You are absolutely right to call me out. He's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Bob Uecker is fucking hilarious in this movie. (laughs) Drinking that time when he's like, who's sponsor? Ah, the hell with it. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, Lonnie, the the color guy. Mm-hmm. It's like Bob Uecker had like a weird acting career in the eighties, where he was just like I don't know, Mister Belvedere, but he was like still calling Brewers games. So it's just like in the fall when he had nothing to do, he's like, I guess I'll be a TV star. You know, I tried watching a Brewers broadcast because, like, oh man, it's gonna be awesome to listen to Bob Euchre. And granted, he's an older man, but it wasn't Harry Doyle doing the broadcast. It was Bob Euchre, and I wanted, I wanted Harry Doyle. Yeah, it's yeah. Imagine, Wait. Uh, but he's he's his performance in this is so goddamn funny. I ca- I still say things like. Just a bit outside. Tried for the corner and miss. <laughs> how can buy? How can guys lay off pitches this close? Um, <laughs> what's the line? Uh, that guy threw at his own son in a father-son picnic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's but you know Patrick being a Padres fan, I feel like Mark Grant really embodies a lot of like Bob Euchre as far as like being the color man, bringing fun to the game, bringing a little bit of chaos to the game, especially now with the Padres broadcast team. They, it's like it's guys who actually try to make the game fun. And I listen to some of the other broadcasts from different teams sometimes or the national broadcast. God help you. If your team is featured on like ESPN, oh, it's, terrible. it's so fucking boring and dry it's like listening to paint dry well it was like um the padres used to have a radio announcer named ted leitner uncle teddy yeah and he's kind of gives that harry doyle vibe because you could see him just with a bottle of jack daniels in the booth yeah i mean growing up with ted leitner and jerry coleman i i just i grew up with like broadcasting legends i know everyone feels that way about like their local broadcasters Mm -hmm. but i really do feel i was like blessed with who uh, who broadcast games for me as i grew up in like through my childhood in san diego i do have to come back with the fact that i grew up in the chicagoland area so oh yeah with harry carey yes yeah they named suicide after him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sean mm. wow. I thought that for a long time when people <laughs> yeah. would say committed harakiri I think people would mispronounce it as Harry Carey yeah. well, I, thought- <laughs> so I, I, I didn't find out that Harry Carey did not kill himself for a long time wow <laughs> I mean it's like people who mix up seppuku and sudoku. <laughs> Committing I've sudoku. Never... <laughs> I've never heard that. It's delightful to me. It's fun. Words are fun. Yeah. Sean, you should say some of them. Nope. Why do I have to drive the ship? You drive the ship. Do you drive a ship? Yes, you drive a ship. Huh. I feel like we should have covered that on Master and Commander. Hmm. Well, 
Maybe if you had asked questions instead of just sitting there waiting for me to ask you questions. <laughs> um, I like to be the questionee, not the questioner. It's, uh... This is like a fourth wall-breaking episode we're having right now. I don't know what <laughs> you leaving the show to go get a tire did, but this is, like, this is derailed. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think about the fact that they chose the Cleveland Indians? See, there's Patrick it's... doing your job being <laughs> oh. a good co-host. Thank you, Patrick. Ah, you're welcome. Um, it makes it for a very oddly problematic choice throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Especially since they changed the team name, and especially with the fans out in left field, which are very funny, but it's also <laughs> a bunch of white people dressed up as Native Americans. So it's like, ugh. It just... It it kind of blows my mind that, I mean, the DC football team only stopped using a slur as their name two years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I thought this, I thought this would have aged poorly, much faster than it did. But the fact that like this this wasn't really seen as problematic until I don't know the mid twenty tens or something, right around then. I don't know, it's, yeah, it's, I, I had this argument with people where, like, well, I, I, I know Native American people who aren't offended by the word Indian. I'm like, well, okay, but I don't think they speak for everyone, and I don't really feel like I can speak on this topic at all anyways, but I just know I, I, I'm not comfortable with a white owned franchise profiting off of the mascotting and labeling of this these teams like this yeah especially in colleges i know that was banned in the 90s like there was a bunch of colleges that had to change their names really um, like i think stanford was the red men or something like that so really i i've always known them as the cardinal yeah there was like it was a, there was a few of other ones, but it was stuff like the Warriors and things like that, and they had the imagery that they had to change. I mean, it's good that it's finally changing now. And, you know, we have the, the Cleveland Guardians, as they're known now, and then the in football, it's the Washington Commanders. Those are both shit names, though. I'm sorry. Commanders and Guardians. That's such, like... It's bad. When you play... It's when you play a video game... And you go to like create a franchise and it just <laughs> gives you like a few generic options to choose from. Mm -hmm. That's what those feel like. Yeah. So, um, what about the getting the team together montage? Sean, noted fan of montages. Oh, dude, Jake, Jake Taylor in that sombrero. <laughs> Is this you, Tolbert? <laughs> I'm hungover and it's not funny. It's just when you're when your protagonist is introduced as a hungover guy with a sombrero, you know you're gonna love him. And I did love him as a kid until I became an adult, at which point I'm like, Jake Taylor is a fucking creep. He's a monster. That's, <laughs> this is one of this was one of my questions. Is Jake Taylor a stalker? Yes. 100%. Yes. He is 
stalking his ex and breaking and entering what's up the 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 apartment the 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 rich dude's apartment so when you walk into the building there's an elevator and you can just click the elevator to his floor and then you and it, it just goes there where's the security where can people just go into your apartment anytime they want through the elevator? I this confused me. Oh, it's yeah, it's like Wayne's World too when they live in that loft and they just have the elevator that opens straight into the place. It's like what? Yeah, especially that building does not exist in Cleveland. Like, That's what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> that was a little a little ritzy for Cleveland, huh? Yeah. Um, they they spend the first five minutes of the movie with Randy Newman singing about how shitty Cleveland is and showing all these <laughs> uh, burned out, no, they're not burned out, but blue collar. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Barbarian, so I've got that Detroit uh, image stuck in my head. But all it's, these blue collar locales. It's like, uh, there's like a tire fire in the background. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. So this movie, like, it's it's flying. The first twenty five minutes of this, mm-hmm. it's going so fast, and we're introducing all these characters, and we're getting the plot down, and we're having baseball montages and laughs and everything. And then it really slows down where we start to have, like, it's it basically like when Jake imagines hitting the home run. That's when the movie hits the brakes, and then they go to dinner, and this whole dinner thing is where it starts. And Renee Russo. This was, I guess, one of her first roles. Um, I think she's really good in it. But yeah, this guy sees her at the restaurant, starts stalking her with her fiancé there, and then, like, tracks her to her work, makes a spectacle at her work, Mm -hmm. justifies his cheating on her, follows her home hilariously enough in the bullpen car which i love and why are we not using bullpen cars anymore patrick what's going on i don't know why are we so dumb i would drive why are we not driving our pitchers around in novelty cars like we used to i would drive one to work if i could (laughs) i would love that (laughs) just a, a detroit tigers helmet driving around the city of philadelphia (laughs) That uh, won't get egged. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. But Josh, what do you think about like his stocking or Patrick? Uh, oh, it's Josh, so, go ahead. Yeah, it's so creepy. It's, uh, it's one of those things that viewed from like a traditional male angle, you'd be like, "Well, he's persistent." And <laughs> from any like sane modern person angle, you're like. You know what? I bet he's a date rapist. He's just he's creepy. He he wears her down essentially. Like yes. that's that's not cool, man. Um I think there's a, you could make the argument that you could lose that whole subplot and it wouldn't change the movie. All right, I don't I don't want to vouch for my editing style. But I feel like this could use a Michael Mann edit and edit around this whole plot. And it it would make it, what, 10 minutes shorter? And then it would just be like a tight 90-minute baseball movie as opposed to this hour 40 minute that we get? Yeah. 
Because, I mean, I think pretty sure this fails the Bechdel test anyways, so. I, uh, at one point back when I was editing video more and stuff, I definitely did have an idea that I never made it happen, but I was going to edit this into a suspense thriller just based on Jake Taylor stalking (laughs) and put, like, scary music in and then put in, like, scary music cue when you see the, the dug out the the fucking oh god i can't think of the baseball car we were just talking about the bullpen car the bullpen car when you see like the bullpen car come around the corner and just get like a violin cue of like scary strings Mm -hmm. um the jobu stuff like we've we addressed the the cleveland indian stuff but the Jobu stuff this is what I found a little more upsetting. Uh, I mean, he's he's a broad caricature, and I'm not sure that he's like supposed to represent any one particular religion or type or anything. But it's still it it feels wrong. It feels bad. And there was one scene with the owner where she's going and she's in the locker room. And he's wearing just like a jock strap, and she like weirdly like portrays him as just like this muscular man and it's like she's walking around like it's everybody's like pieces of meat and it's like it's weird Mm -hmm. it's like they're treating treating all the team like cattle well i mean is she just treating the men like the men normally treat the women yeah i think that's what they're kind of going for yeah Uh, it was just like it was kind of strange because it's like you also have he's she's talking with lou brown who's like this, you know, schlubby old man. Uh, but, and I guess how the team explicitly treats her later. I didn't. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and I forgot that she was a showgirl. And I was like, how did they get that picture of her? I was like, oh, yeah, she was a showgirl. Duh. Yeah. Every time I'm like, is that is that photoshopped or like her head on someone else's body? No, oh, yeah. she was a showgirl. Um. Also, did you guys notice the janitor from Scrubs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Neil Flynn is, uh, mm-hmm. he's one of the guys in the, all the montages cutting around to it, all the locals talking about how they suck. And then later at the very end, what is this bar at the very <laughs> end of this movie where you get your, you get your classic bar where it's your blue collar workers who essentially are still wearing their hard hats. And then you get your, Demon cosplayers? Oh, yeah. Then, like, the punks with the mohawk. Mm-hmm. But they the hordes. <clears throat> it, but, yeah, no, that, that moment at the very end where they hug and then, like, double-take their hug. It, it It's very dumb, but I find it endearing. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then another, like, the other, like, classic character, just as far as, like, talking about baseball. Harris, the pitcher, who's mm. they have an old man out there as the actor who's playing this guy. When he when they actually show him pitch, it's one of the funniest things you see because it looks like an old man throwing a fifty-two mile per hour meatball out there. <laughs> but that scene, um Crisco, Bardall. 
Vagisil. But if the ump is on me, I just rub a little snot on the ball. Uh, that's that's an iconic scene in just in baseball lore. Oh yeah, or when he takes the, I guess his rum, like Jobu's rum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just like disrespects whatever religion that is, and then he immediately gets whammed with a bat. Hey, bartender, Joe Boo needs a refill. <laughs> Bam. Yeah, and th- I mean, one of Euchre's great lines that cracks me up is Vaseline ball for a strike or something. <laughs> he yeah. calls out. He just specifically calls him out for illegal stuff. <laughs> so, uh, that dude uh, is in The Last Boy Scout, Hoosiers, Rudy, and Trouble with the Curve. Is he uh, one of our, our sports heroes? I think so. We got to talk about The Last Boy Scout at some point. That movie is Tony Scott madness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so wait, there's the scene um, during like the tryout period where Willie Mays Hayes sneaks in. And is he driving... <laughs> I, 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 he's not in a Rolls Royce. Doran's in a Rolls Royce. What's Willie Mays Hayes driving? He's driving a Volkswagen Beetle with the front of a Rolls Royce on it. <laughs> That's what that is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. I never knew that. All these intros are great, um, but Willie Mays Hayes being carried out of the camp on the bed. Is he's a heavy sleeper, but this movie, the scene where he runs past the guys. When I was a kid, I thought if you just made your hands into like karate chop shapes, that was the key to running fast. Because then, like all of that wind resistance of your your flailing palms, you're now like slicing through the air super fast. I was still a slow kid. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, um, Dorn with the Olay bullshit. Don't give me this Olay bullshit. And uh, his contract, Lupin on the contract. There's just so many like classic moments in this and stuff. Like I can still hear right now thinking about. I can hear my dad. My dad had a very specific laugh sometimes. It was like a chortle. And when Lou Brown pulls down his pants and pisses on the contract. I can still hear my dad laughing at that. Hmm. The, it's uh, kind of odd he... that he just has his contract out and he's just like, like, is there no other copy of that? Is he not have a contract anymore? Do they have to file <laughs> away the P contract? That, that, that contract is now null and void. Yeah. I don't know that peeing on it actually nullifies a contract. I, I don't think it has any legal standing. Uh, What was upsetting to me is that, okay, first of all, he doesn't shake when he's done peeing, and then he doesn't wash his hands. Those are, that's two upsetting things. That's, yeah. Right. The last two drops go in your pants, you know. I think the rules are different when you pee outside about washing your hands. Sean noted outside peer. (laughs) I am. <laughs> There's ways to do it. I'm not going to be get too graphic here, but there's a w- there's ways to do it without 
graphically fondling your penis. I got graphic. I can't think of any. (laughs) So, the way to do it, and this shocks me. Listeners, I would love your feedback. Join our Discord, please. Tell me what you think. Many underwear (laughs) come with a gate in the front. And now this gate unfolds to make a little door. And that's the penis door. Pops out. Pops back in. People think I'm weird for using the penis door. Apparently, that's you're not supposed to do that, or I'm the weird one, and everyone else in the world lowers the waistband below their genitalia. Hmm. Well, I mean, then what's it there for? That's what I'm saying. I, I think hmm. it's. I think it's an optional door. But why not take that option? Because when I go to the bathroom, I only have to undo my zipper, and that's it. I don't have to fuck with my belt or my button. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Uh, But, okay. For me, personally, going Mm -hmm. through all the layers of cloth, and, and very near to the zipper, I find uncomfortable. It, it now I will say, being that close to clamping metal jaws, mm-hmm. it is harrowing and it is scary. You just need to remember every time you go to the bathroom, just think of that scene from There's Something About Mary, and you'll be okay. Okay, okay. And the scene I'm talking about is the Brett Favre scene. If you think about that, <laughs> okay. Uh, this also Sean. <laughs> He's completely losing his damn mind. Oh no! <laughs> what happened today, Josh? <laughs> I don't know. I like once in a while we get like a real goofy energy out of you, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I just I can't talk about comedies. How can I talk about a comedy movie except for just saying, like, I like when this happens over and over? <laughs> I think I think one thing that's interesting about the movie is, like, how I like the montages that they go through, like you're talking about, and I like the ways that they show the, play, the team, like, bonding throughout the season through the... the terrible circumstances the owners putting them in, like, the bus and the plane... And just like tr- completely trying to demotivate them, and it's always fun when sports movies are like, "No, we got to overcome the odds, and win the whole thing." Now, win the whole fucking thing. Yeah, this movie, I used to confuse, or I I've recently confused it because I haven't watched either one in a long time. I confused it with Necessary Roughness. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, that. Necessary Roughness and Major League are like my childhood. Mm-hmm. Necessary Roughness is much more PG than this is. Really? Yes. Yeah, I watched it fairly recently because I'd never seen it before. And you guys talked about it on a different episode, I think. And it was just like, there's no cussing in it. It's like, there's, I mean, the only. No, it's, 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 it's it was wholesome. interesting. Yeah, it's very wholesome. 
Even when the guy shows up at his teacher's house and is clearly implied they're gonna fuck, it's like, do you want to go for a walk outside? And they go walk instead. <laughs> yeah. Josh Sinbad's in it. How how dirty could it be? You know what? I hadn't considered that. Up until they bring in the cardboard cutout in Major League, I had thought that that was a plot line from Necessary Roughness. Interesting. Josh loves Sinbad. He won't ever <laughs> stop talking about it. Okay. Just goes on and on about him and his tracksuits. It's uh, not a lot of people know this, but Sinbad <laughs> is our one patron. <laughs> Because of, <laughs> I've contacted Sinbad's people so many times that he threw me a bone. Aw. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> listen, listeners, good luck finding that Patreon. We like <laughs> to keep it real hidden. <laughs> um, did you know that this movie has an alternate ending? You reminded me, and I... It, it blows my mind. It, so go ahead, tell it. Basically, basically, from what I understand, is at one point in the movie, Lou Brown is like, I'm going to quit. I don't want to do this anymore, and you're ruining everything. And the owner was like, oh, I was just kidding about moving the team. I was just trying to use it to motivate you. And then he's like, okay, I'm not going to quit. And it's like, it feel like it would completely undermine the whole movie if that was the end of it. Yeah, I don't like that at all. No. It doesn't work one bit. It doesn't make any sense because you would feel like Charlie, her right-hand man, or somebody would know, but there's there's not a single thing to indicate that she's doing this all with a wink. And so for them for that scene to come in, that feels like it just it's like they just wanted to try a random twist just to see if it would work or not. But that's they did film that scene though. I think it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they did it with like test audiences, and everyone was like, "No, that sucks." So they took it out. Willie Mays Hayes hits a check swing blooper, and Bob Euchre says, "Credit to that guy. He has a family to think about when he fields." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we, that one Yankee is like our main villain. I can't remember his name right now, but is there anything worse when he yells, I'm going to light your ass up, meat. And he has, it's when somebody has their arm around your shoulder, when they're doing that standing there, uh, it's uh, fucking, when, especially when someone's like doing it to like make you feel small. I mean, this has not happened since like high school or something, but still. That, like, big guy putting his arm around a smaller guy is so fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Clue, Clue Haywood. Clue Haywood. That's the character's what a name. name. Yeah, it's the character's name. What a great name. And Clue Haywood, oh my god, the amount... That guy does a great tobacco spit, especially in slow-mo at the end of this. Oh, that tobacco spit. Mm-hmm. This also... I would say this movie has a a top 25 grunt in it, and it's Ricky Vaughn's final pitch in complete slow motion. That release and then... Mm-hmm. It's a good grunt.
when I I liked that they came out to Wild Thing, and I also liked that they did the X version. I forgot that that was the one they used. Um, because a couple of professional wrestlers have come out used that as their entrance music, and it's very effective. There's a kid in his entrance montage at the very end in the playoff game. And it's going, and then it shows the mound, they have their conversation, it cuts back to the crowd, and there's like a one and a half second shot of a kid holding a sign that says Wild Child, and has like a green (laughs) wig on. I've hated this kid since (laughs) I was a kid. I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I was like, oh no, here comes that fucking wild child. And they're like, no, and I'd boo. And like, I don't know what it is about that kid, but I don't like him or her. Them. Hmm. I don't like him either now. So we could excise the, the, Jake Taylor as stalker plotline. What about the Corbin Burnson cheating on his wife plotline? Definitely went way over my head when I watched this as a kid. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't understand this until I watched this movie as like a, I don't know, a, a teenager or something. The whole idea of her spotting him cheating in the background of a news report and then going out and fucking Rick Vaughn. Oh Yeah, that didn't make sense. Yeah, the first time I watched this, I didn't pick up that that was the same person. Yep. No, because she's, her hair, the way she's dressed up, and she has that, like, 80s flock of seagulls future hair going, and she does not look like the same person. No. And then they have to, it's almost like they realized that, and they had to spell it out in the movie. And they were like, this is who I am, and this is who my husband is. And he's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Can, before we completely dismiss Jake Taylor, I just have one question. Is uh, His plan is to... They ask, oh, what was your plan? And he says, to have two children who are Olympic swimmers. That's not a plan. <laughs> no, that's a huge what? red flag for neighbor, so. Well, also, all right, no offense to Olympic athletes, because I think it's an amazing thing that they do, but what's the point of it? <laughs> there's, there's no point to being an Olympic athlete. You're not making money. You're, like, sacrificing your life to this cause that... 99% of you will be forgotten by history. Like, we, we, we don't remember. We remember like our Michael Phelps and our Apollo Anton Ono. Oh, also, Apollo Anton Ono dropping the Anton and just trying to go by Apollo Ono. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. I remember the <laughs> Anton and I'm going to remember it until the day I die yeah. and you will not drop it. Get his ass. I don't think he's going to come on the show now after I said that. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, Dorn has a nice solarium, though, doesn't he? That room where his wife brings in the tea and Jake Taylor says, I'm going to stick it up your fucking ass or whatever. That's a beautiful room. I want to hang out there and drink coffee and read. Sounds nice. It, uh, a lot of, lot of light for plants. They make it seem like he's... 
is is he retiring? Was that the thing, or was he trying to leave the team or something? Because that'd be weird to build a, like a big new house in Cleveland, and then you're like, I'm trying to leave. I thought he was just a guy who was towards the end of his career and just didn't really give a shit anymore. But I, I he might have had a subplot about trying to leave or get a new contract or something. I don't know. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, so we're going to get now towards the end of this movie, but the, when Jake Taylor says, well, I guess there's only one thing left to do, win the whole fucking thing. And then they go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, my blood starts to pump and then the music kicks in and now we're montaging and we're winning games and we're stripping cheetah skin off of a woman who's almost naked and I'm just fucking I, I'm pumped I'm into this and then as we get into the playoff game against those goddamn Yankees by the way fuck the Yankees okay <laughs> Padres fan my mom's cousin is Mark Langston who is pitching in game two of the World Series I believe in New York bases loaded two strikes to Tito Martinez he throws a fucking third strike. Umpire called it a ball. It was a strike, my friends. And I'm not telling you that because it's my family blood on the mound. <laughs> it was a fucking strike. Next pitch, Tito Martinez. Boof. Grand slam. Oh. Family. Legacy. Gone. I had to change my last name after that. <laughs> I used to be Sean Langston. Wow. Learned a lot about you today. So, as I said before, the soundtrack is the best thing ever. There's a part where, like, the Indians... Oh, God, I said it. Damn it, I didn't want to say <laughs> I was trying to go the whole episode. <laughs> so close. Damn it. So close. Anyways, there's a time where the baseball team is going without getting, like, a single hit, and they're in the slump. And they're in this, like, there's, like, this just, like, sad music of despair. And then fucking Roger Dorn hits a single. And it's this amazing, like jump from this like sad somber music to immediately like boom upbeat and like hope and stuff i don't know james newton howard is just a genius this is where i wrote this is what i want out of a sports movie because this becomes more of a sports movie as it goes on and especially like in this final final act here and the sandlot becomes less of a sports movie as it goes on and it's you know becomes about the the kids and the dog and their their hijinks. This this movie really builds to a crescendo that's kind of surprising now that I think about it because there's not there's not a ton of like really big baseball moments in this where you know it's a lot of shots of the field and stuff but I mean how many extras do you think they got to film this? I was I was trying to think that too because I don't think it was filmed in Cleveland. But they must have just. I read that they used Brewers Stadium for a lot of the interior stuff. Yeah, so I was wondering if they just like filled the whole lower bowl or something with extras. They're just like, we just need ten thousand people or whatever. We can figure it out. And then they moved them to the upper, like the rafter shot where Taylor calls his shot. Yeah. You know, maybe they just had like eight thousand people, and they were able to move them around very strategically but 
they really made this stadium feel like it has that playoff electricity, that atmosphere that's in the air. Yeah. Um, and I, I like it because it was like the callback at the end to what he did by himself. But then he just like, I, the movie threw a curveball at us by him hanging okay. a bunt <laughs> instead of a home run. I tell you what, man. All right. Yeah, the fact that this old has-been gets one more shot, and we've already seen him envision himself calling his shot and hitting a home run. For him to then go up there and have the wherewithal to not only think of this, but, like, the, 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 the nobility to sacrifice himself and to sacrifice his dream in that moment for this for a bunt it's i started crying at the end of this movie i just it builds up so much and i get so emotional and everything and then just the way it's shot with the slow motion here at the very end it feels so epic and you hear like the second baseman say shit when he sees that it's a bunt Mm -hmm. he has to charge all the way in or the third baseman and and taylor collapsing over first base and then Hayes is coming around. He's trying to score. And Bob Euchre's commentated all. It's really just like, it's what I want a sports movie to be. Yeah. Like you said, Josh. Yeah. That and Serrano hitting the home run on the curveball, which he, they've been like, the oh. whole movie, he can't hit a curveball. And then they're just like, I'm going to do this for me. And then he can do it. Dude. Fuck you, Joe Boo. <laughs> I do this myself. And then, yeah, that slow mo curveball that he crushes and he runs around the bases. Holding the bat. bat. Mm. I don't know. Like Just talking about this movie, I start to get goosebumps on my arms because it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I know at the very end when Willie Mays slides across that fucking plate and I see the umpire go, save, save. And I see Bob Euchre punching the air and yelling, the Indians win it. The Indians win it. Oh my God, the Indians win it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a complete flow of adrenaline and dopamine and serotonin and like all of these wonderful chemicals are going to be in my body and so i just ah this movie just is right in line with what i want sports to be the uh in that final game they spend a long time showing the signals uh and do you ever wish that you could read them? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I would I heighten was, the drama if I could if I could tell what they were signaling right now. I was terrible at at signs when I played Little League. Yeah, like they would do the whole whatever touching and everything, and I would just be like, I, I'm just gonna swing. <laughs> Patrick, I I was thinking though, just is is baseball signs. Are they such an in-depth language that Jake could actually communicate to Lou Brown? I'm going to call my shot, but it's actually a sacrifice bunt, so you better get Willie Mays Hayes on a hit and run. Yeah, I, he might have just sacri- he might have just signaled bunt, and that was you know all that he sent. But either way, I like the idea of thinking that this is like their whole like navajo code language or something oh god damn it (laughs) yeah i just wanted to think of a coded language yeah like sign language yeah exactly yeah um 
I mean, that would be impressive. He's like, I'm going to bunt, and he needs to bunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when when Vaughn fucking throws three straight heaters, give him the heater, Ricky. That fucking pumps me up. Willie Mays Hayes getting on first base and saying, you going somewhere? And he says, about 90 feet. Ooh, that's awesome. That's badass. I know. That's a badass line. Wesley Snipes is so good in this movie, and he's funny, too. He does a great job being a bit of the comic relief, and we didn't talk about his dance, but when he makes, when he makes the cut of the team, and he goes outside, and oh, oh yeah, 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 and does his little dance out there, oh, it's wonderful. Because he doesn't, yeah, they tell him not to celebrate in front of anybody else, so he just, he's got to go and feel himself a little bit. And so, I um, what do you think of the fact that this was not f- even a World Series game? This was just a game to get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that because they really only show two teams in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's the it's Cleveland and the Yankees. So I'm wondering if, like, for budgetary reasons, they were like, we can only show these two teams. Oh, that would be interesting. I don't know if how that really works. Like they didn't get the rights to the entire MLB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that very well could be. I also think that it's the problem of baseball being a series, so you would have to make this game seven of the series in order to have those stakes attached to it. Yeah, but then you have to show like through montage six games of baseball or something it makes it a lot easier to make it just a single game yeah because their whole comeback is basically not shown it's just like newspaper clippings and like certain plays and stuff and it's implied they're coming back so that's uh i do like that the stakes are where they are because it actually makes sense with the team being like such losers and coming back like this would be that that means that they did well. You know what I mean? Like they don't actually have yeah. to win the whole, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, say it. No, I can't. There's children here. The whole dang thing. <laughs> uh. Um, and then. Is this the best freeze frame that's ever ended a movie? Every actor makes sure to get in just the right spot. They each have their own thing. Some people are holding up one finger. Ricky, Vaughn, and Willie Mays Hayes are doing like a cool guy point at each other. Rene Russo looks great. It's a wonderful freeze frame. It makes the Breakfast Club look like dog shit. It sure does. (laughs) And uh, that that's about the end of Major League. Uh, just, you know, baseball is so important to me. And baseball is a comfort blanket. I was talking to Patrick earlier, and every time baseball is out of season, I miss it. And then when it's back, I take it for granted. And I don't watch that much of it until, like, playoffs and stuff. But there really is something 
comforting and nostalgic about it. And so watching both of these movies, you know, like, the Sandlot doesn't hit as hard as it did, but still, you know, my from my time as a child playing baseball to watching it as an adult, and it's just, it's boring. Baseball's boring, and there's too many games, and it's slow, and the rules are convoluted, but it means the world to me, and I love it. And I I miss it when it's gone, and it's just been, like, a huge part of my life for so many reasons. Now, a lot of times when I talk with my mom and my sister back in San Diego, we talk Padres. That's, like, the thing that connects us. And for whatever, you can love your other sports and football and stuff, but there's just something about baseball that has a, a magic to it. And I think a movie like um, Field of Dreams captures that. And I know Patrick thought of bringing up um, Field of Dreams to watch along with Major League, but I just didn't feel like crying about my dead dad and then being <laughs> funny after that. So we decided Fair. against that. Fair. But that, that's the end of my spiel about baseball and just its importance in my life. Beautifully said, Sean. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So is there anything else about this movie that we skipped over or that we didn't mention um just briefly the credit card commercial <laughs> i really love it yeah i really love it when good actors are good at bad acting because it's just like it's- we're contenders now mm-hmm. and of course yeah. of course willie mays Hayes is the best one at it yes well yeah but it's like wesley snipes can't help but be charming in that moment everyone else is so stiff but he has that little wink in his eye as he slides across home plate yeah yeah now i just want to listen to chase for the pennant those triumphant triumphant trumpets it's pretty good So, Patrick, what do you rate this movie? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely one of the better sports movies that are out there. There's some issues that we addressed with it, but um, I'm just gonna give it five stars because it's fun. <laughs> I really thought you were struggling to give it like four and a half or something. Like, <laughs> no, no. Five. That's five. What about you, Sean? I, Patrick, I love you. (laughs) I can't do it though. As much as I love this movie, it's just that it's that creeper ass Rene Russo stalking subplot. I just can't call it a five when that little ten minute monster is lingering around the movie. So it it's a four and a half for me. Okay, I'll change mine to four and a half, but I'll put a heart. Well, I mean, you don't have to. Well, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If that's how you're going to be. I like that Patrick is one of the the handful of other people who uses the heart function. (laughs) One star with the heart is probably the funniest review you could give on Letterboxd. Yes. (laughs) Although I think I've done it before. So. Yeah. There's movies where I admire the chutzpah. 
that it takes to make a, a movie and mm-hmm. but it, you know they're not very good um i i'm here a little bit lower three and a half stars i think the uh just the sexism of the stripping the stripper <laughs> portion kind of took it down from four for me so Josh drank Haterade this morning for breakfast. Actually, I I had cream of heat. Woof. (laughs) Woof. Gonna say, of course, the film nerd, the only time he doesn't like movies is when we talk sports. let's, Let's talk about The Natural, though. Okay, let's talk about The Natural. They set him up as a pitcher, and then he never fucking pitches. No, but it's, but it's a great movie. Very long. It's very long. I think the movie's it's long. Like two we watched hours. it for a Sunday morning movie. Oh, club. did you? It was good though. I liked it, but it's Robert Redford is old in it, or maybe he's just thirty but looks old. Like he's one of those hours old fifteen minutes. Oh, okay. Can we just talk about anti? I my anti plug. I'm sorry, Josh. Nashville was one of the longest movies I've ever watched in my life. It was oh. like purgatory. Oof. I'm okay with that. I'm, I, I like that movie, but I'm not a huge defender of it. Not like the conversation. <laughs> Which we already um, covered, so. Just throwing out hot takes here at the end. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta do something to keep people listening. I don't think I have Patrick, any on hand. Patrick, do you have any movies or shows that you want to plug, or a book that you've listened to, a band that you've been into? Um, I've been reading this That's- book by Edward Lee, uh, named Buttermilk Graffiti, where he just travels around the United States sampling regional cuisine and then does his own take on them and has recipes in them. Uh, he's a chef from Louisville, Kentucky, and it's really good. Like a good travel book. That's pretty cool. Travel book and a recipe book. Mm-hmm. Is the food... Does he do like weird takes on traditional food? or No, it's... Um, like his philosophy is... Uh, with fusion, it's just like you incorporate a little bit of yourself into the dish instead of doing it straightforward. Um, so I made a couple things out of that. They were really good. Nice. Yeah. Josh, what do you have to plug? Um, I would recommend going and seeing Pearl, especially if you can see it as a double feature with X either before or after it. Uh, it made for a very good night at the movies for me. Two, I mean, well, they're, they're cool. different types of films, but uh, they do complement each other, and Mia Goth is just fantastic there's specifically a, a an amazing scene that she gets uh that i absolutely loved and we won't spoil anything but you've seen barbarian right yes i would definitely recommend people see that in theater if they can yep or at least see it before like that the internet spoils everything as it's going to if you can see it with people it's one of those movies where there's a couple like laugh out loud parts that I think because of the shock of what happens, 
Uh, and that is delightful to see with the crowd. I saw it with about four other people in my matinee, and they were silent, and it was wonderful. <laughs> it was like being in a void watching a movie, and it was just what I wanted. Nice. Cool. I would recommend everyone watch Lady Bird. I've been kind of catching up on some of those older movies from a few years ago, like Call Me By Your Name, and as I mentioned, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I thought was amazing, and uh, Lady Bird was really fucking good. Uh, highly recommend it. Just a great, like, mother-daughter relationship. Shersha Ronan and Laurie Metcalf were awesome, and uh, it was just like a really beautiful coming-of-age, growing-up movie. Great. I will watch it. I loved the Portrait of a Lady on Fire, so. And, uh, Josh, next time you have chosen Toby Hooper's The Fun House? Yes. And I will edit in, maybe, my choice of follow-up, or might not. We'll see. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'm going to try to edit this, and uh, we're recording this the day before it's set to be released. So, uh, this episode might be one of my less edited ones. I might leave in pauses and stuff. and The 25 minutes where I go to get a tire. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah, I, I might cut around those 25 minutes. Okay. So. But, Patrick, thank you for joining the show again. Joining the two-timers club and cheating on everyone. Anytime. And... um I think that'll just about wrap it up for us. So until next time, we have been Nashville CA. He has been Patrick. He has been Josh. I have been Sean. And we will see you next time. Please be kind to yourself. Be kind to your neighbor. Take care, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.